0: time ago, my friend Mike called me and said, Steve, I have a message for you. You have to make a podcast. It's very important. Do it now. And I said, okay, I will. Can you provide me with extra time to do that during my busy schedule? He said he couldn't do that. But then I managed to free up some time. So here's my podcast, Audio Chimera. This is episode number 29, Have I Got a Story for You? Or in the case of my podcast, Many Stories. I like to think of myself as a storyteller, and I like to use stories from my life in the theater as part of my introduction to theater class. Of course, when I'm telling these stories, my mental construct is that I am like Joseph Campbell, weaving mythological tales for all to enjoy. I think I am embroidering magical tales for my audience. However, the reality of this is that I am speaking in a college classroom where my audience is used to watching three-minute-long YouTube videos that feature someone talking but in short segments or 400 shot bursts. To me, the videos look like they were made by people with St. Vitus dance. Just a bit of research on this. I watched a video by a famous cosplayer. Over the duration of 3 minutes and 30 seconds, I counted 71 shots. Now, I consider a shot every time the camera was restarted, or an edit separated one shot from another. (laughs) To further confound me, I teach playwriting, and I want my students in that class to do long-form storytelling, following the age-old structure of beginning, middle, and end. Their final project is a 20 to 30-page one-act play, I am always struck speechless when, on the day people present their initial ideas, I hear something like, Well, my protagonist is a superhero, and he can fly and teleport places. During the course of this one act, he has to accomplish a bunch of tasks. I'm taking the idea from the ancient Greek myth of the twelve labors of Hercules. Okay, let's unpack that into scenes. So there are twelve labors. That likely means at least 12 scenes, one for each labor. Plus an expository scene where we find out what's happening and why the hero is being sent on these tasks. And some sort of conclusion resolving the conflict we began in scene one. So, 14 scenes. If the one act is at maximum page length of 30 pages, each scene, assuming 1.5 minutes per page, if all of equal length, would be roughly 2.14285714285714 or 2.142857 repeating pages long. Ugh. Let's round that up to 2.1. Let that sink in for a moment. How do you find, encounter, and slay the Nemean lion and take its skin in 2.1 pages? Hmm, doable. But by the time Hercules is ready to slay the Stemphalian birds or capture the Cretan bull, you've probably lost your audience. Yes, we can tell amazing stories with our imagination to people with imaginations. But we have to take our audience on a journey, not ask them to let us drop their brains in a blender and endure the making of a mental smoothie. When I teach my playwriting class, I give my students their first assignment on day one. I tell them they must write a play that is three pages long and that has three characters. And at the end of the play, it's the end of the world. The assignment acts as a diagnostic. It helps me determine how they think a play is formatted, whether they do planning first or just start writing, how good they are at writing dialogue, and whether they can easily or at all establish a location or situation. I'm always stunned when I read these short exercises and find that the world suddenly ends without any preparation. It just happens for no reason. Two pages of dialogue, and then the characters feel the ground trembling. They look out the window and shout, Oh no, it's the end of the world! Slightly worse to me are the people who hear about the impending end of the world early on, and then decide they need to go to a restaurant for food. Those restaurants always seem to be still open. Maybe it's a last meal kind of scenario. But it's not only young playwrights who make these sort of mistakes. One time at Berkeley, we put out a call for new plays to be used in a series of staged readings parallel to the summer play series. In one of the plays, and now I'm assuming it was not a young playwright, I read the stage direction that when something like this, and I'm paraphrasing it slightly just in case the playwright may be listening, two wolves emerge from the king's unconscious mind and devour all his enemies. That is a great image. But I have no idea how to stage that. Even in a reading, I can't imagine someone presenting that sentence without an arched eyebrow and a wry smile. (laughs) As a storyteller on the topic of playwrights, and I consider myself one since my short play, Aliens Three Miles Turn Left, or a monologue from it published in several monologue collections, has been performed on at least four continents. I have two stories to tell. The first involves me as a director of my senior project as an undergrad. Since I was emphasizing the directing track, I thought directing a one act would be a good resolution to my degree program. I made a proposal, and while the committee accepted me, they didn't like my play choice. They suggested instead that I direct a one act written by one of the MFA playwriting students. I read it, and found it quite interesting and engaging, and agreed. The play concerned a playwright named Kevin who, believe it or not, had written a play. He summons two friends, one male, one female, to watch rehearsals. We then see two couples interacting, a straight couple and a gay couple. Perhaps germane to this exposition is that the playwright was gay. Even though I was two years older than most of the undergrads around me, I was still developing as the person I am today. I used this statement to explain why I felt the need to explain to auditioners that, while the play dealt with gay issues, I was not gay, I apparently felt I had to say that multiple times during the audition process. However, I had a major revelation during this production. Gay people are just people. I eventually got over the need to make my announcement as I spent a lot of time with the playwright, his partner, and his party guests after one of the performances. By that point, I was much more comfortable not only with who I was, but perhaps more importantly with who they were. Like I said, just people. Now onto the left coast. Always looking for opportunities to direct, I accepted an invitation to attend a dessert potluck in Berkeley, organized by a fledgling theater company that wanted to provide a voice for new playwrights. The turnout was less than stellar, numbering only five. One. Myself. Two. The host, who had suggested the dessert potluck, and who was diabetic and couldn't eat anything, Three. a male playwright who had written about some notorious German Nazi homosexual, Four. my wife who had baked a cake for the event, Five. and the host's large dog who really enjoyed licking the hell out of my wife's cake. We did not eat it. The host had written an interesting play and I did some follow-up, but to be honest, she seemed to be on some sort of mood-enhancing or dampening medication that gave her a Thorazine shuffle walk and a personal distance I had trouble getting past. So nothing ever happened there. One of the things I try to impart to all of my students in all of my theater classes is the magic of the theatrical event. Of course, theatrical is not always confined to the stage. One time, my wife and I were home for a holiday and Diana's mother, who had Alzheimer's, wanted her to wash and set her hair. While sitting in the kitchen and having her hair put up in curlers, she was convinced she was at a beauty salon. She told Diana, her stylist, Now don't let me leave without my curlers. Put them in that box so I can take them home with me. Later, when Diana had finished taking her mother's rollers out of her hair and placed them in the box in the proper way, her mother put the lid on the box, picked it up, stood, and took five steps into her living room. In just a few steps, she had moved from the salon to her home and without even a light change. Now that's the magic of the mind. That's the magic of theater. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. Just send your request to stephenshrum at musifier.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-C-H-R-U-M at musifier, M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.com. Or leave a message at 724-835-4074 and I'll see what I can do. I receive no cash for products I mentioned, but please feel free to throw money at me to advertise here. For more information on my works, check out my website, musafire.com. For written works, search for me on Smashwords as Stephen Schram or Musafire, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. This is Stephen Trump. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera.